0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Evan Williams, and I am an inpatient clinical manager at the University of Kansas Health System, and I'll be your host for today's leadership podcast. With me are Lucy Sun from the University of Kansas Health System and Bill Kernan from Cleveland Clinic, Florida. Lucy is a clinical coordinator for critical care and emergency department, and Bill is the executive director of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us, Lucy and Bill. Today we'll be discussing the transition from frontline staff position into a leadership role. Both of you are at different stages in your career, but you've each had personal experience with this topic, so we're really excited to hear your insights. Lucy, you and I work really closely at the University of Kansas Health System. Um, I know you've been in your current role about five years, but do you mind describing for our listeners your current position and what you had been doing prior to moving into that role?
1: Yeah, so um, as Evan said, I am the clinical coordinator at University of Kansas Health System. And so essentially what that means is that I oversee our critical care and ED service line and uh, the frontline pharmacists that work in those primary areas. So in this role, I still staff about 25% on average most months of the year. Um, You know, sometimes it ebbs and flows in terms of how busy I am. Um, I'm also the residency program director for critical care uh, program here and also chair a couple of committees, both, you know, inpatient pharmacy and health system based as well. Prior to my transition, I was a frontline pharmacist in the neuro ICU and medical transplant ICU primarily. But, you know, I floated through different uh, ICUs as well. So I did that for about four and a half years before transitioning into my current position now.
0: Great. Bill, kind of on the flip side, you're much more established as a pharmacy leader in the profession. Can you briefly share uh, how your career path brought you to this point?
2: Yes, thank you, Evan, and very happy to, to be here So I uh, completed my PGY1 residency um, now actually coming up on about uh, 30 years ago, believe it or not. Um, But after completing my residency, I really did uh, direct patient care for for a good, I would say, 10 to 15 years um, working as a critical care pharmacist. But I gradually over time took on more uh, administrative responsibilities. I, I always have been drawn to really aspects of Departmental improvement, improving pharmacy practice, trying to really allow pharmacists to, to, to practice at the top of our license. So I've, I was always really very drawn to that aspect of being able to make broad change. So it really kind of drew me into a more leadership Aspects. So after practicing as a pharmacist for many, many years, I began to take on more administrative roles. I started doing more clinical coordination responsibilities. Um, I started our PGY-1 residency here in, in Cleveland Clinic, Florida, and then ultimately decided to follow the path of really a full-time formal leadership role. I, I obtained my, my MBA and then started as an assistant director of pharmacy. I did the assistant director of pharmacy for about two to three years, and then the opportunity to move into the director of pharmacy position opened up. So I took that and I did that for about five years to where I've been able to move into my current position as executive director of pharmacy, where I oversee about five different hospital pharmacies and several retail, as well as outpatient infusion pharmacies.
0: Awesome. Thank you both for sharing a little bit about your roles and how you got here today. Lucy, I know direct patient care is something that is still very important to you in your current role. Kind of walk us through that process of what went through your mind as you were considering giving up that full time uh patient care role, and how did you know that that was the right time for the change?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, and honestly, I didn't know that it was the right time, the time that I transitioned. You know University of Kansas has a really long legacy of leadership. And so I'm tremendously lucky to be surrounded by individuals that have my best interests in mind, uh, but also know and understand what my strengths were, even before I could recognize what my strengths were. And so at the time, it was my direct supervisor that encouraged me to joined certain committees, and, you know, she needed help in something. So I was the first person she thought of. And, you know, I excelled in in those areas. And the more I did it, I realized that I truly love bedside care. But we don't always get these opportunities to impact patient care in a more global and bigger sense. And so these opportunities really uh, sparked an interest in me to so just gain more interest and, and, and experience in that. And when, and when the time rose and there was a position available, I applied. And it's kind of been a position I've held for the past five years now.
0: Bill, in your current role, uh, I'm assuming you've promoted some frontline staff into leadership roles. What kind of qualities do you look for when kind of evaluating a frontline staff member? And is there anything you can do to almost groom them? prior to the formal transition?
2: Yeah, well, I think that there's, there are a lot of key leadership competencies. I kind of boil it down to really two main things. The first is really the ability to just simply take ownership, ownership in really the growth, the improvement, the success of the department you know, does the person take initiative? Um, Are they driven to get things done and to participate maybe where others are not? So it's sort of that, you know, I'm going to take ownership and get this thing done for, for the good of the department and for the good of our practice and profession. So that's kind of the first key thing that I really look for. The second thing, and is just as important, is really the ability for that person to really work with people, that a leader has to have uh, good people skills. There's a saying, management is about process while leadership is about people. And I think that's really true. And so if you're gonna put a person into a leadership position, they have to be able to work with people. Um, They've gotta communicate well. They've gotta be open to other people's viewpoints. They've gotta be humble. So they've really... They've got to have that aspect, I think, combined with that really drive to want to work to be able to get things done. And so to me, those are really the the two key aspects. I think in bringing people along, you know, the key there is that you really just have to sit with them, be available, and really work on a plan over the long term to identify some gaps and then work with them on ways in which they can fill those gaps.
0: Lucy, when you transitioned into your current role, you didn't have any real formal leadership training. How were you successful in developing those skills on the job?
1: Yeah, so um, you're correct. I really didn't have any formal training. I essentially was just really lucky enough to have great examples at work that Modeled characteristics that I wanted to emulate. A lot of it is also at the time that I transitioned, um, there was a lot of change in our leadership. And so it really forced me to take a lot of autonomy and, and gain confidence in what I was doing and really trusting my gut. You know, I remember one conversation to sort of piggyback off of Bill's comment with the prior question was that, you know, I was concerned that I didn't have these tangible. Formal leadership qualities. I I didn't know much about finance and I didn't know much about, you know, how to submit a time card or, you know, how to handle certain HR issues. But I remember the director told me, he was like, I can teach you all those things, but I can't teach you how to be a great listener. Uh, You already do that. You know, I can't really teach you how to lead by example and be a people person. And so, I think a lot to what Bill said, I, I think there are these tangible things that you can still learn in your job, and there are still things that are harder to learn that are innate traits within a leader. So,
0: Bill, you kind of touched on this on your previous answer, but how have you made sure new leaders are supported and successful when they transition into that type of role without that formal leadership background?
1: Yeah, so
2: what I really try to do is to make myself available and and really be open, be transparent with them. You really want to be a mentor to them. So I would meet regularly with them, you know, kind of set up a one-on-one monthly meeting with them, you know, once I've identified them as somebody who has that strong potential to be able to be a leader because usually again a lot of those gaps are sort of those technical skills that Lucy just mentioned you know it might be you know not being familiar with some of the financial budgeting aspects or it might not being familiar with some of the human resource related aspects but if they have those intangibles those ability to work with people they have the drive those other things can be taught so then i think it just becomes really important to then sit down with them, do sort of a self-analysis. Hey, where are your gaps in these things? And how can we build upon those? I think you can challenge them, give them maybe new initiatives to be able to lead, or perhaps there's a new project that comes up that's a little bit out of their comfort zone. So you want to be able to give them those things to see how they learn and how they react. But I think really it's, it's, It's meeting with them, it's identifying those things that they can build upon and then just helping them give those resources.
0: Have you had experience promoting a frontline staff member to a leadership role and have it not really work out how you expected? Um, And I guess looking back on that situation, is there anything that you would have done differently?
2: Yes, so that, that actually has happened before. Um, that 's a really good question, and you know when I go back and I think about you know why it didn 't work out or or what challenges I had it 's really because and in this particular example the the person who I brought up into that leadership role they were a very hard worker they they did excellent work they were very proactive i mean they they were very good, but I overlooked the people aspects and the the person you know was not really a great listener. They were not somebody that others could come to very easily, and so I had overlooked that part. And I think some of the overlooking that was a little bit of my own personal biases. So I think as a leader, we've and if we're looking to bring up frontline staff, we've really got to make sure that we're stepping back and that we are um, very objective about it, and then also you know giving them give them their time to be able to put them into different settings or different environments or, you know, maybe having them work on new initiatives so that you can really see how they, you know, how well they do. And it gives them or gives you the ability to make a better evaluation.
0: Lucy, what advice do you have for a frontline staff member who's either newly in a position similar to how you were five years ago or is maybe considering Uh, taking one on as the next step in their career.
1: Yeah. You know, I always say inventory the things that you've done in the past year and and do a really good job of triaging what you find as value added in your professional development, um, what you don't find value added. And the most important thing is what makes you nervous, excited. And so that's the one thing I always tell residents, students, you know, other peers that want to maybe potentially transition into a new role or do something outside of what their comfort is, is, you know, do the things that make you nervous, excited. Those are the things that will challenge you and, and, you know, will likely make you better. And even if you end up not liking that experience, I don't think anytime you'll look back at those things that you, you know, will say that it still wasn't value added in terms of now you know versus you probably would never have known if you didn't try
0: that's great advice still anything you would like to add from your perspective no i mean i
2: completely agree with with what lucy said there could not agree more you know th- there's there's an- another saying that i always think of and it's it's get comfortable being uncomfortable and it really just means that you know you've got to continuously challenge yourself into things that maybe you thought that you couldn't do. You know, it, it's every opportunity that you come across where maybe you are uncomfortable, you take it on and you accomplish it. But that process of going through that will help and prepare you for the next process. You know, when I look back on what I have done, say, over the last you know 10 to 20 years I'm very surprised many times that I've been able to accomplish a lot of that I think if I went back and and looked at it I and you would have told me that I would have accomplished all of these things I probably you know would have told you that you're crazy but it's it's one step in front of the others it's it's taking one thing at a time and it's one challenge after the next challenge and each one prepares you for the next one and so I think that's really how you have to look at it but just Get comfortable being uncomfortable and take those challenges on. When the opportunity strikes, you want to say yes, even though you may not know exactly you know, what I have to do to be able to accomplish this. Just take it head on and you will be able to accomplish it.
0: Well, that is all the time we have for today. I, I really want to thank Bill and Lucy for joining us to discuss managing this transition from a frontline staff uh, role to a leadership role. I welcome everybody to join us here on Tuesdays, where we'll talk with ASHP members about leadership topics within pharmacy practice. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to
1: visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download.